Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and returning to the studio after a brief hiatus due to illness, you know him as the co-host, it's the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Pat, how are you feeling? A lot better, thank you. Yes, we weren't sure if you were out celebrating that the Eagles did not win the Super Bowl because of reasons, <laughs> but we are glad to see that you have returned to the studio, but Rich did a stellar job covering for you on the sports edition of the podcast, and if you want to find out about anything going on with the ODPH, Pad, where do you go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over there, check out the music section, you check out the classified section where you can find friends of the show such as 3FN, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 215,000. Sounds about right to me. The social media links, the T Public Store, the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off this edition of the show, where we talk movies, TV, comics, more, you are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH. We have to recap arguably the biggest show on television. Mm -hmm. I feel like we say this each and every week, but every time we go through what to talk about on this show, this program keeps coming up at the top of the list with us, with our listening audience. So you want to hear us talk about it. We're here for that. And Pad, what show is this? That is The Last of Us. Yes, the Naughty Dog video game adaptation that has been... I juggernaut if i can use that word for hbo max and taking over sunday nights like nobody else has done in quite some time Mm -hmm. and we know the ratings have been through the roof yeah the word of mouth about this show has exploded and it's now gone into that pop culture territory so once you cross over into pop culture it's on a stratosphere that few shows get to. Mm-hmm. And do this is all based off the writing of the show and the acting, which Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are in the title roles of Joe and, and Ella. Mm-hmm. Or Ellie. Sorry. Ellie, yeah. Sorry, I get so wound up talking about the show because I am just blown away by every time I see this. And when I think this is a video game, I'm going, wait a sec, this can't be a video game because they do so much amazing writing in this mm-hmm. and really catch the pulse of the viewer yeah which is tough to do i mean video games have done this don't get me wrong yeah but based on the background of this show mm-hmm. it shouldn't be connecting like it is right but damn they're doing it and they're doing it flawlessly i was like because this isn't you know a lord of the rings or star wars you know or even or even any other kind of like sci-fi fantasy series where it kind of takes you away to a place you might have experienced or thought of something similar as a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I remember playing in my backyard with little sticks and branches and pretending I'm, uh, you know, a knight or, you know, some sort of adventurer rescuing someone from the grasps of the evil dragon, you know, or I'm not some spacefaring adventurer, 
you know, traveling the cosmos, swashbuckling and stealing money and doing all sorts of stuff. Like, no, it, it's about a post-apocalyptic world where fungus has evolved past doing what it normally does, and it's turning people into zombies. Mm-hmm. Like, there ain't much, you know, in our actual daily lives that can connect to that when you really think about it. Oh. I mean, is there fungus? Yes. It does it, you know, take over our minds and control us? No. You know, but the fact that it's connecting this well, I mean, even, you know, I haven't seen anything about the ratings, but in terms of the uh, reviews uh, on IMDb with 41,088 reviews, uh, the most recent episode, Endure and Survive, has a 9.6 out of 10. That's ridiculous. Which is insane. Yeah. And to see how the show is connecting on that level, it proves it's a hit. There's no question about that. But it's going down as one of the best premiere seasons of all time. And to see how this is all unfolding, we know there's only a few more episodes left. Then they have already been automatically renewed for season two. Mm-hmm. No timetable about when that is going to be. But in the meantime, we've got a lot to break down with this show. And we keep saying, are they going to top this episode? And then they find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we are going to be giving our review of the latest episode of The Last of Us entitled Endure and Survive. Now, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. Drop a five-star review on your favorite pocket chaser. It does help the algorithm of the show, and we truly do appreciate the feedback. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement of the show. So if you haven't seen this for whatever reason, we don't judge. We don't want to spoil anything for you, but we're going to give you our fair and honest review of what we thought of it. Then we give you a countdown. After said countdown, we go into full spoiler talk. So we have given you fair warning. If you need to duck out for whatever reason, pause the podcast, jump back in when you've watched it, and then you can see where we interact and what you liked and what you didn't like, what we had to say. That's how we do things here at the ODPH. So that being said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement on Endurance Survive. Just when I thought the writers and the showrunners and the directors and everybody like involved behind the scenes of this show couldn't punch me in the gut any harder than they already did. They find a way to do it because Holy fuck, this episode was powerful. This episode was moving emotionally and psychologically in every other way you can think of. And it was an absolute masterpiece. You know, when I think they can't reach the bar any higher and we have sung the praises of episode three entitled Long, Long Time. I didn't think any episode was going to touch this one. And yet here we are. Mm-hmm. The acting and writing in this episode was immaculate. And just when you think, like, how can you really hit us in all the emotions, you find a way to do it in such a devastating fashion in a very short amount of time, too. So that being said... Let's get into some spoiler talk in three, two, one pad. Talk to me. Like I said, this episode was an absolute masterpiece. I loved everything about it. And just when I thought it was going to go one way, it decided to take a left turn at Albuquerque, so to speak, and punch me in the gut that I was near tears. You know, I was not expecting this. I you know how I was not expecting it to go the way it did. You know, but I was certainly shocked, and I'm very interested to see where they go from here. The last 10 minutes of this episode just is such. I always feel like it's cliche to say this. It's an emotional roller coaster. Yes. But it is. It so is. And you have to sit back and go, this is why shows like this are connecting. Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah, you have 
infected zombie-esque characters. Sure. You live in this very apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. But yet this show lives and dies on its characters and its heart mm-hmm. and those connections that they make. And we only had a connection with two characters for about 45 minutes. Give or take. But to see their story unfold and then what happens after the big act Mm -hmm. and then that fallout was just brilliance. Yeah, I mean, because they really sucker you if you think back to, you know, English classes or grammar classes, you know, literature classes. They really sucker you into that whole, like, you know, the line with the plot of a story. You know, the introduction and the rising action, the climax and the falling action and the resolution. And you get to the end and what you would think, okay, this is the falling action. This is the big battle. All right, now we got the resolution. This is the end of the story. And then it just kept going. And, and I looked at the how much time was left because I was watching the episode. And it was kind of late. I was like, we got to be getting close to the end of this. And I'm like, why is there this much time? Well, now, granted, I realized shows on streaming these days usually have about a good five minutes of uh, credits, which, mm-hmm. I, which I understand, you know, totally fine. You know, but I, even still, I was like, there's a lot of time left. Like, what the hell is going to happen here? And then it happened and it caught me so by surprise. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole episode just really caught everybody, I think, off guard of how well it was supposed to be. Because, like I say, episode three has been the benchmark so Mm -hmm. far. And they didn't have a hiccup last episode either. But where we last saw Joel and Ellie, they were in Kansas City hiding out because, well, they took a wrong turn when they were trying to make their way to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And... Kansas City is not the Kansas City of old. (laughs) No, it's not. To put it mildly, it has just turned into this wild. To say the wild, wild west, I think is an understatement. Yeah, I'll say the wild, wild west had some amount of law and order. Not much, but there was at least kind of some semblance of like what you should and shouldn't do. This is pretty much a do whatever the hell you feel like. Yeah, and you do see that. This entire episode is kicking off, showing how Kansas City went completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And to see how Kathleen is running everything here. I mean, Melanie Linsky, who I still can't get over, is from Two and a Half Men. Rose on Two and a Half Men, yeah. Absolutely brilliant performance. It shows her rise to power. And like the first minutes of the episode are absolutely brutal. Yeah. Because you see the people are overtaking the authority that is in place. And they did not hold back any punches. It's brutal. It's very disturbing to watch. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, clearly the people in Kansas City took, oh, we're not going to take it by Twisted Sister a little too seriously. Yeah. So, like, we don't even see Joel and Ellie from where we saw him last. Right. We get the update of Kansas City first. Mm-hmm. Because, like, last we knew that they were being held up at gunpoint. So we are like, okay, what's going on here? And how's this all playing out? Yep. But yet you do see there are two characters that are making their way through this. And they do have very, very big bullseyes on their back. Mm-hmm. And one is Henry Burrell, who's played by Lamar Johnson, who is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, give him all the roles. Yeah, I, my God, just for what he was doing, because he's a young freedom fighter, is what we're, we're being told he is. Yep. And Kathleen is trying to kill him for reasons. Yeah. And note, we didn't do the usual ODPH reasons. reasons. Because there is something implied that is going on, but we just don't know what it is. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to get a payoff here somewhere. 
But you do see that Henry is trying to protect his younger brother, Sam, who's played by Kevion Montreal Woodward, mm-hmm. who is uh, he's deaf. Yeah. So you're seeing how they're trying to navigate through this world, and they do wind up hiding out in a building. They do have some assistance. Mm-hmm. But basically, they're just trying to lay low and get out of the range of Kathleen, who has been very adamant she wants Henry dead. So she's hell-bent on getting him killed because you remember in the last episode, there was the doctor, med- medical person, whatever his his job title was. Mm-hmm. He had medical experience. He could have helped a lot of people. Supposedly knew where this, and I say supposedly because we don't really know. We never really found out if he knew where where Henry was. Mm-hmm. It's just you know Kathleen has it in her head that he does, and when he doesn't tell her, her where he is, she shoots and kills him. Yeah, which I'm sorry in a post apocalyptic world where zombies and and the undead are walking around, doctors kind of at a premium. Yeah, which I wasn't sure to be honest with you because I didn't watch the episode prior. Was that the same person that was helping Henry and Sam? Uh, I don't remember. See, kind of, I thought it was for it a, been. for a little bit, which, I mean, that just ties everything more together. But I couldn't really tell because they didn't give off the hint that he was a doctor when he was working with Henry right. and Sam. He was just really trying to be an ally to them and really keep them safe. And you do see how they're having the brotherly bond about, like, I'm trying to keep you alive. Things are tough. And they're doing a fast forward of time, which I like how they put 10 days later. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening. And you see Kathleen has unleashed the forces that she has at her disposal to go literally door to door looking for Henry and Sam. Yeah. And you're seeing there's like a little question mark about like, what are we doing here? Especially by her right hand man, Perry mm-hmm. played by Jeffrey Pierce, because they're all saying like, listen, you're going above and beyond the call here. And Kathleen is like, no, I'm not because he's a threat. We need to eliminate the threat. Right. I don't care what we have to do. We need to bring him in under any circumstance. So it does show Henry and Sam are trying to navigate through Kansas City because they have to make a run for food. They don't have yep. any. Yep. And they do stumble on the scene where Joel and Ellie crash into the building after they've been set up by the fighters or uh, the freedom fighters. If you want to call it, yeah, whatever they're called. Yeah. Which is funny because they're both like acting like they're both freedom fighters. Yeah. But we'll say Kathleen's forces. Yeah. Yeah. To put it mildly. So you do see that shootout and you do see it from a different view, which yep. I do like. I thought it was great cinematography here as well. So as you see, they're keeping an eye on them, and they're trying to follow them more or less to see what they're up to. So they Mm -hmm. do wind up recreating the scene where Henry and Sam get the drop on Joel and Ellie while they're sleeping at the top of the apartment building. Mm -hmm. And you do see how they're more or less having a standoff. Ellie is trying to be very diplomatic here right? and saying, like, hey, what's going on? And they're basically saying, like, listen, we're not going to kill you. We saw what you did. We just need help getting out of here. Can we do this? Joel, being the smart one of the group, Mm -hmm. is basically saying, no, no, we can't. Ellie is more optimistic. And I do like the counterbalance they have in the personalities here. She is more willing to work with them and saying, listen, that's all they want to do. And we can just part our ways. Eventually, Mm -hmm. this uneasy truce is made between the four of them. Yeah. And you're seeing Ellie is taken very much to Sam because probably they're closer in age than we think on the show. Yeah, I'll say it, I'm not, not entirely sure the actor and actress are the same age, but the, the characters are, are supposed to be close in age. And it's, right. and it's probably the first friendly face around her age that Ellie has seen in quite some time, if ever. Yeah, because Henry does seem older. Yeah. Uh, but not by m- not many much. years. Maybe, but, maybe like a year. But she's just looking to grasp on anybody that 
is not involved in this right. whole crazy world they live in. And, yeah. just, and all they're trying to do is like, listen, we saw what you did. We just want to get out of here. So Henry does come up with a plan to escape because he does know Kansas City a little better than Joel mm-hmm. and Ellie. And it does require going through some tunnels that Henry claims he's the only person that knows about them. Yeah. And Joel is like, okay, well, we can try doing this. So they do make this valiant escape out to the city. Mm-hmm. They do get out near the border. Yep. And while they're going there, Henry is kind of really seeing like, ha, I was right. I proved this all along. I'm oh, the... I, I knew everything. I knew we'd be safe. Yes. But while they're making their escape, Henry does reveal the big secret. And it's one that, oh, it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any issue with it because you can, if you put yourself in his shoes, what would you do in this scenario too? If your brother is sick, mm-hmm. or your family member is sick, I should say, and they have a chance to help him, but you have to do something questionable. So you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. And in this situation, Sam has leukemia. Right. Fedra, which is the overall military force in this new post-apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. has medicine that can help him. But Henry does get this medication in questionable means. Yeah. Because what he does is he winds up turning Kathleen's brother, who's the head of the movement in Kansas City, right. over to Fedra. Yeah, because the movement is causing some issues with Fedra. And they're not exactly fans of that. So they're like, hey, listen, you tell us where he is. We'll give you the meds. Right. So like I say... It's a nefarious move. Yeah, not exactly, some, not exactly the most moral thing, but hey, given the circumstances, I understand. Well, that's the whole thing. And that's one thing I love the writers did about this. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's a it's a horrible move. Yeah. But if you're in his shoes, what do you do? That's a question that everybody has their own opinions on, which, like, there is no right or wrong answer. No. But I can understand it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, well, that makes sense. But I can also understand why Kathleen wants to kill him. Right. Under any circumstances, no demand. So after they make their way through the tunnels, and like I said, the big reveal is done, Mm -hmm. they're now near the coast. Yep. And they can definitely make a run. Henry is celebrating, like I said. And and like I say, I don't want to say he feels vindicated, but he kind of feels like I might get out of this alive with Sam. Right, because up to this point, he's been trying to tell Sam, don't worry. Like, he's trying to be the the protective brother, you know, that's like, hey, don't worry. I got this. It's going to be okay. I promise. And, like, at every turn, it's not gone the worst way possible, mm-hmm. but it's not been sunshine and daisies. Right. You know, so he's finally got this moment of, like, hey, see, trust You can trust me. I know what I'm doing. Everything's safe. And then things aren't. No, because the house at the end of the road, but which it's just, you know, and how ominous is that, too? Yeah is firing shots from a distance. Yeah. So their easy escape just became more difficult. Mm-hmm. So Joel tells them, hide for cover. Yeah. I'm going to go up there. I'll take out the sniper. Yeah, because it's a, bol- a bolt-action sniper, so it's not exactly the most fast-firing uh, weapon. Right. And the and you can definitely tell the shooter is not exactly the uh, no. greatest of marksmen. No, no, he ain't exactly a dead eye. No. So Joel does wind up getting there and he gets the drop on the sniper. Yep. 
And you can see the pain in Joel's face because he knows how this is going to play out. Yep. And he keeps telling the sniper. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Come on. There's better ways to do this. Yeah. And the sniper tries pulling the draw on Joel and Joel shoots him. Yep. But before he dies, the shooter does get wind to Kathleen. Mm -hmm. So now Joel is stuck at the house at the end of the road. Yeah. And the others are trapped at a far distance because behind them is an army coming it's at them. It's a whole convoy. Literally. Yeah. And you're seeing Kathleen is leading the charge. There is a battering ram bulldozer. And I got to say, listen, Kathleen, for as much as you like to think you're in control of this shit, boy, are your followers pretty fucking dumb. Yeah. Because you've got the two bulldozer trucks at the front and the one's like, boy, there's a lot of vehicles in our way. And she goes, I know that's why you're in the front. Move them. Yeah. It is a funny scene to see play out, but they're now chasing after the young kids there. Yeah. So to speak, young teenagers, I should say. And Joel is in there trying his damnedest to keep him alive. So he's shooting at the bulldozer. Yeah. He winds up doing a shot through the windshield. I think he ends up getting both the driver and the passenger in the bulldozer. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Like He, I, he obviously, because, hey, the way the story plays out, he gets the driver. I think he got both. Mm-hmm. So the truck goes into a house and starts melting. Yeah. Now, there is a plot point that was said very, very quickly in the beginning of the show that comes back here. Uh-huh. That Kathleen had shifted anybody that was infected underground. Oh, yeah. So, technically, they're trapped in another tunnel underground. Yeah. Which made the journey a little more dangerous, but it was kind of set in a very quick throwaway line. So you yeah, didn't really... I, I will admit I messed up. Yeah, which, like I say, unless you're really paying attention, you did miss it. But this comes back to play a little later. Because as you see that the kids are hiding, mm-hmm. or I should say the rest of the group is hiding yeah. behind a car. Yep. And Joel is in there with his sniper trying trying to do what he can to keep him alive. And it's a bolt-action sniper, so it's not exactly he can't go bang, mm-hmm. bang, bang, bang. No, he's got a bang, cock and reload, bang, cock and reload. It's, it's real slow. It's real slow, and he's not having a good time with his gun. Meanwhile, Kathleen is out there and is basically calling out Henry. And, and at this point, I think Henry knows that they're stuck. Yeah, like... There's no escape. There's just, well, I mean, there is an escape mm. technically, but there's no way for him to get out of there safely just because they're outnumbered three to one. Yeah. So he emerges from the car and he faces Kathleen head on and is just like, keep them alive. You got me. You won. Let the, let the kids go. And she says, no, we're going to kill the kids. No, she's like, no, we're killing them all. I understand what you did, Henry, but you still killed my brother. Yeah. I can't let you live. Yeah. It's that simple. And she raises the gun to fire, but they get saved. Mm-hmm. And it's not by Joel. No. The bulldozer mm-hmm. that crashed in the house pad. That were, that caught fire. What does it do? It starts sinking into the ground. And it, and it, so it's on fire. Mm-hmm. It's it, The house is burning. Yeah. So, so the the area is lit by the fire. Yeah, because they're technically in like a residential area that I think is near some water. Yeah. So it it's it's you know the, the house is on fire, the truck is on fire, and it starts sinking. 
Mm-hmm. And it starts, uh, and I'm like, why? Why the fuck is it? Because I, like I said, I miss the whole line yeah. about the people underneath the ground and this and that. I miss that whole thing. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. And it starts sinking in the ground and sinking and sinking until it, I think it completely disappears and it completely yeah. sinks in the ground. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then you just hear clicking. Yep. And you start hearing some uh, rather ominous noises coming from the ground. And what comes out of the ground? Clickers and other zombie-like creatures. Yeah. So the plot point that they threw in there very quickly has now come to fruition because after the car, the truck explodes, the heat from the gas and house burning yep. is enough to melt through the ground. Which is wild. Yeah, it's an insane scene to, to witness. And then all of a sudden you hear the clickers come out and the clickers are in swarms. Yeah, a, a literal swarm like World War Z. Sprinting, which is fucking crazy to see. Mm-hmm. And you see one that looks like the Brock Lesnar version <laughs> emerge that is known as a bloater. Uh, to anyone good with uh, video editing, if you can take the clip of the b- bloater coming out of the ground and put Brock Lesnar's theme music to it, I will thank you forever. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll share that all over ODPH social media. You have your challenge, Internet. Make it happen. So you see them emerge, and Kathleen is like, what the hell is going on? So her militia turns the attention away from Henry yeah, and they start firing at the clickers, including Perry who starts firing at the bloater realizes how fruitless of an attempt this is. Mm-hmm. And he looks at her and goes, go, you need to leave. Don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Cause she doesn't want to leave him for whatever reason. Well, they have a bond like, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's so much a romantic one, just a, just a deep friendship. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the vibe I got. You're from in it. the trenches together with the person. Okay. But so he's like, go, go, no, it's fine. You know, I'll be okay. Go. And then he gets his fucking head ripped off. Yeah. Jesus. Like they, well, It's not close up, but like it's from a distance that you can still see the head. Oh, move. you see it. You see it. Yeah. No, this is straight up Mortal Kombat. It looked amazing. Fatality. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Because you just see his lifeless body in the... In, the bloaters just holding yeah. the head, and you can see that Perry has long hair. It, it's you a, see the hair hanging. It's a, it's a wide shot, so you like you can't tell fine details, but you can make out enough. Yeah, because at this point, you see everybody is running. Yeah, you see Ellie jumps into a car. Yeah, you see Henry and Sam are underneath one, and they're surrounded. Yeah, they're fighting them off with their feet. Yeah, which I knew something bad was going to happen here. There was so much action, I missed it. Like I just, I had a feeling because. You know, I will say, since we watched so much Walking Dead, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to end badly. Like, just there's no way they're going to glen this. See, I, I completely missed it just because in the moment my adrenaline was going, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Well, yeah, because you're just seeing this insane scene play out where you're just seeing this army of zombies attacking the militia mm-hmm. and winning. And you see the, the, the makeup and CGI they did for this was incredible. You see Ellie's in the car with the child clicker coming at her and mm-hmm. and like bending like the exorcist which is just in- so yeah the contortion on that thing yeah it was just was insane to begin with there and then she winds up escaping joel is still shooting to buy her some time she does wind up shooting the clickers that are attacking henry and sam mm-hmm. they wind up escaping so to speak until kathleen gets the drop on them and then there's a weird moment that happens mm-hmm. because she's ready to finally shoot Henry. Mm-hmm. And then the child clicker that has been chasing after Ellie this entire run. And, like, this uh-huh. has been a good distance. Oh, yeah. Would you, would you say, like, this is about a mile and a half maybe? Yeah. 
mile? Maybe a half mile to a or mile. Half, mile? Oh, half okay. a mile to a mile. Because I just felt like this was this was such a long distance they had to get to. And it didn't feel like they drug it out. No. This moved very fast. But there seemed like there was so many moving parts going on. I'm like, they really traveled a good distance to get to the house. Kathleen is ready to shoot, but the child clicker that chased after Ellie chases after her. Well, because Kathleen makes mistake 101 when it comes to being a villain. Don't monologue. Yeah, she's monologuing. And sure enough, she gets taken out by the child clicker, which uh, they wind up making the big escape from. And once they go to a hotel that's abandoned, we do see that they're recovering. Sam is having a heartwarming moment with Ellie. Mm -hmm. And then Pad, the reveal. Yeah, so they decided to go to bed because they got a long journey ahead of them because, you know, Joel and uh, Henry are talking. Uh, you know, Joel and uh, is it Henry? Yeah, Joel, Joel and Henry are talking. Uh, you know, and, and Henry finally says, All right, hey, we'll go with you to Wyoming. You know, I'll tell them in the morning. Yeah, and they go to bed. And so, the two kids, of course, being kids, they're staying up late, they're swapping stories and, and talking and whatnot. And uh, you know, he and and Sam starts getting concerned about just some random stuff, mm-hmm. seemingly. And he's he's expressing his concerns to Ellie. And he starts to like, oh, do you think you're still you after you get bitten? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, well, what do you mean? And he goes and he pulls his leg up on the edge of the bed or the seat or whatever he's sitting on. And he pulls his pant leg up and he's been bitten. Yeah. And she freaks out. She's like, oh, my gosh. And she takes a little etch-a-sketch, whatever, you know, what I, I like I've seen one. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, no, you know, you hit it right. It's like an etch-a-sketch thing. You know, she writes on it, you know, oh, my blood can heal. So she takes a knife and he, and he motions. No, 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 don't. She's like, no, no, it's fine. So she cuts her, she cuts her hand and wipes her blood over the, 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 the wound, the wound because she shows what happened to her and mm. how she's still fine. And he looks at her and goes, will you stay up with me? Yeah. And she goes, yeah, of course I will. And, and at this point, the knife's in my stomach, and it's getting twisted. And so then it fades to black. She wakes up. Obviously, she fell asleep. And he's laying on the bed across from her, facing away. And she's, she just goes ahead, and she gets up, and she walks towards him. And then he turns back towards her, and he's turned. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. This moment right here. So just when you think there's possible hope in this world, nope. Mm-hmm. So... You see Sam is now trying to kill Ellie. They go busting through the door. You see Henry does not know what to do. Well, and not, neither at first Joel and Henry are confused at what the fuck is going on. Yeah, but they see that Sam has now been turned. Mm-hmm. And this entire time where you see the bond has been formed with Henry and Sam to the superhero pictures that they were, Sam drew into the yeah. windows to you know really keep himself, his spirits up. He's, yeah. now, he's now fully gone from the character yeah. we knew. You see a bullet go hit Sam through the head. Well, and this is after Ellie's still fighting off Sam. Mm-hmm. And Joel gets up. He doesn't have a weapon on him, but Henry does. Yeah. And at first, Henry's pointing the gun seemingly at Ellie. Yeah. And Joel's freaking the fuck out like, no, Sam, don't do this. Like, no. And then that's when he makes the shot on Sam. Yeah. So he shoots Sam. And you just see the blood pouring out yeah. of his head. Like, you don't see the head shot, but you just no. see it just... Great cinematography, just given, you know, painting the picture without showing the canvas. Yeah. And you do see that Henry is just starts crying. He's like, what did I do? What did I do? Where did I go wrong? Yeah. Like he's just in there and just the guilt of now he's killed his own brother after Mm -hmm. everything he's gone through. 
and you just see Joel go, don't do it, don't do it. And you see Henry pull the gun on himself and yeah. shoot him. I and literally he, jumped in fear and, said, and was like, oh, Jesus, no. Yeah, he pulls the gun on himself and shoots himself. Yeah. And then you just see Joel and Ellie are just, I mean, what do you say in that moment? There's nothing you can say. No. They do wind up burying them by the hotel. Mm-hmm. And Ellie writes on the Etch-A-Sketch, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then they start heading off to Wyoming. End of episode. Man, mm-hmm. the last 10 minutes, like I, I can't stress enough. The last 10 minutes of this episode really just hits you in all the emotional moments. Like you can't help but being connected after you've seen how much the the family is bonding there. Mm-hmm. And that brotherly bond between Henry and Sam and how much Henry has sacrificed for his brother to just keep him alive. And yet he's the one that winds up killing him at the end because he has to. Mm-hmm. Pad, I mean, how else do you describe this scene? It, I mean, it's a wild scene. It's it's heartbreaking. It's heart wrenching, you know. Especially if you've got siblings, mm-hmm. you know, which I've I've got a younger brother and a younger sister, you yeah. know. So just watching that, like, I'm I'm picturing myself in that scenario, and I don't know what the hell I would do in that scenario, yeah. you know. So the fact that you know a decision was able to be made there is insane. Yeah, like it's just absolutely insane, and just goes up to the acting because, like I say. It's brief. It's the last 10 minutes of the show. Yeah. But it still packs so so much of an emotional punch. Like, that's the one thing you can't take away from this show is they find ways to connect, especially with, I mean, let's say, face it, the the plot's crazy. This this is not normal. No. But yet they find a way to make it work on that level. So you can't help but get connected to those characters. Albeit, though, I think they're playing it smart right now. Yes. Because I know they are taking some little liberties from the video game. Yeah. You're not having a big cast get involved. No. So we're like, we always compare this with The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. This show is taking risks, but you're not getting connected to anybody else but Joel and Ellie. And that's smart. And I think that you're going to see that as the show moves forward in the season. But they just play it up to the acting. They play it up to the connection they're making. And they, they're they not holding anything back. No. Like I say, this show is very in your face. It's very violent at times. And you see this with the beginning when Fedra is getting taken out by the Freedom Fighters, quote-unquote, in Kansas City. It's an absolutely brutal scene. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the imagery there is not meant for young viewers and by any stretch of the imagination. No, God, no. But it is showing how brutal this world has become. And then, you know, you factor in the clickers and the, and the bloaters and mm-hmm. all the monsters of the people that are infected now. Yeah. There's just so many elements going on, and this is the first time, too, that we've had a real big clicker moment since episode two. Probably. Like if, you, if you really think yeah. about it, it, yeah. it hasn't been so much. It's not overbearing. Yeah, it's not overbearing. It hasn't been so much about the zombies. And about the, it's been about the connections. I think that's why this show is really winning people over. Mm-hmm. But to see what they did here, like I said, it only took 40 minutes, and you're just like, yeah. the last time you're just going, really? Like, you're, we're going here. Oh, hits you right in all the emotions. It, stellar acting job all around. Writing is on point. No idea where we're going next episode other than uh, we finally get to Wyoming, it looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So we'll have to really see what goes on with that. Final thoughts on this, Pad? Phenomenal episode. Another standout episode that really should be seen by everyone if you haven't seen it already. Absolutely. If you haven't seen The Last of Us yet, uh, you're really missing some great quality television. Don't let the video game stigma fool you. Because I know a lot of people I've talked to have been like, yeah, but it's based off a video game. 
Video games are not like they used to be. Nope. There's some great stories involved with them. So that's why I say the stigma that kind of falls with that, I think, dismays a lot of people. But give it a shot, and I guarantee you, you'll you'll win it. You'll you'll win you over. Like I say, it's a win-win experience for everybody. And like I say, this is why this is the biggest show on television, bar none. So that said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the latest episode of The Last of Us on HBO Max, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break, though. We're going to be right back. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the username at Caption Life. You'll get a new episode from us every week, so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and there's an elephant in the room that we're going to address next segment. <laughs> we were trying not to do it, but we're going to address it. But we'd rather talk about the Flash in a good sense first. Yes. Before we get into everything that comes with the Flash movie. It's like a coin. There's a good side and a bad side. Right. So we'd rather focus on the good side first. And then, I mean, obviously, we're going to give you our honest review of the trailer next segment to give a little spoiler prediction here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even though if you read the liner notes, hey, you already knew what was coming. But nevertheless, let's go talk about the season premiere of the final season of the last show standing in the Arrowverse. <gasps> Exhale. Mm-hmm. And that is The Flash, which made its season nine debut this past week. Yep. The Grant Gustin-led show has been a staple on the CW for quite some time now, and it's gone through its ups and downs, Mm -hmm. uh, very polarizing in a lot of fans' eyes at this stage in the game because when it debuted nine years ago, it really was a breath of fresh air and really established what was going on with the CW becoming more intertwined with DC Comics and their characters and forming their own little sub-universe, which, I mean, led off to different shows such as Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Batwoman, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Now, most of those shows have parted ways. <laughs> we have one left. And we're going to be talking about the season premiere and kind of give our thoughts because, obviously, there's a lot of buzz going on with this show. Yep. And waiting to see where it finishes stronger if it you know, falters out in the race here. So that being said we are going to be talking spoiler or about the episode entitled Wednesday ever after you know the deal by now spoiler free statement then we go into deep spoiler talk so let's see if it falters at the race here pad give me your spoiler free statement <sighs> you know i was excited for the episode and it was okay but outside of the ending it really didn't leave me wowed for a season premiere you know it felt kind of stereotypical and kind of like wash rinse repeat for a flash story which was fine you know, it's not the I didn't come out of it going, well, there's an hour of my life I want back, you know, but am I going? Did I go around the heaping its praises and talking about it to everyone the next day? No, you know, but the ending, there was enough with the ending that I went, OK, that might be something interesting to going forward. Outside of that, the episode for a premiere, largely forgettable. It faltered at the race. Like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to tie it into running jokes here and. It's shoelaces were tied together. Yeah, you can you can say that too. It's just it was a normal episode. Yeah, like that's the sad. 
I don't want to say sad thing about it, but like, listen, that's honestly how I felt watching. I mean, this. when you come out of a season where you just got done fighting Eobard Thawn for like the umpteenth time, your wife was trapped in a parallel dimension while she was recreated, whatever you want to call it, with nefarious purposes. And, you know, the very existence of the universe and your life and her life were at, were at stake and your kids and grandkids and all that. Like, you come out of it and it's like, hey, we've got a book. We've got a thing about the future. Like, what? Yeah, it was a little puzzling about where the direction was going because I expected them to come out with a strong season premiere. So did I. But one thing over the past couple of years is... They haven't had the strongest premieres, to be no. honest. No, I mean, when I think of a strong premiere, I think of season two of Smallville. Yeah. Where season one of Smallville, spoiler alert, although it's 20 years ago, so bite me. <laughs> you know, season one of Smallville ends. The final shot of season one of Smallville is, or final shots, I guess you could say. Lana's truck is trapped in a ditch. You know, the three tornadoes combine into one. She gets sucked up into the air, and Clark goes running off into the, the tornadoes at super speed. Cut to black to be continued. Mm-hmm. And the next, the the next thing you see in that season is him running into that tornado and then going up in the air to save her. That's a hell of a fucking premiere. Like incredible start to finish. Go watch it and then listen to Talkville. You know, but this coming out of everything they just did, really, this is your best foot. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this. So I was felt disappointed with this. But let's go into that deep dive and kind of really break down why we have the feelings we do about this. So we are going to be talking about the spoilers in three, two, one of the Flash season premiere Wednesday ever after. This was this episode was a letdown. I mean, for all intents and purposes, when I when I expect this kind of an episode to be middle part of the season, you know, where it's mm-hmm. where you're kind of like already got things established and maybe that's just a little bit of filler, you know, whatever else. But like for a season premiere, this was a severe letdown. You know, it, it had its typical moments that you would expect, and it was okay. You know, like I said, I wouldn't go recommending it to people who might have fallen off. If, you know, if it's somebody you know who's fallen off the show and it's the final season, you want to have them get back into it just to, so you can talk about it for one la- the one last season, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this episode. I would say, hey, go watch the last five minutes, you know. But for a season premiere, it was, it was honestly a letdown. The only thing interesting about this was the last five minutes. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Because we start off <laughs> like you talked about. Ebor Thon has came back for the umpteenth time, been defeated. Yep. Barry Allen is now focusing on the future. And it, they telegraphed a lot in this episode. Yes, they did. Which I thought was a bad, bad look, in my opinion. Because Barry has now become obsessed with the future. More so than he already has been. Because... If you've never been a big Flash comic reader, mm-hmm. Barry and the Time Stream <laughs> is a weird love-hate relationship. Yeah. And a lot of the times he goes into the future and does some really cool stories, and then a lot of times we have Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. That said, we kind of tiptoed around here that now he has a forecast for the future, which he calls his map book. Yeah. Which actual actual phrase, folks. His he calls it his map book. Yes. Which now it basically tells him the future of him and his wife Iris, played by Candace Patton, uh for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I'm promotions go- and major life events, you know, like when their first kid is gonna be born and when she's gonna win her first Pulitzer, and like literally every moment is mapped out, including down to the date and time. Yeah. So 
his wife, Iris, is not exactly too happy with this. Nope. Because, let's face it, if you know how things are supposed to happen, what's the surprise, what's the joy of it if it's just meant to be? Right. And that's kind of the argument that she's had is being a part of the superhero universe, they've gone through so much together. Maybe that element of surprise would be a nice thing instead of just saying, well, this is how things are supposed to play. Well, and maybe she's the sensible one in the relationship because she's seen what happens every single time he screws with the time stream or knows stuff he shouldn't. Nothing good happens. Yeah. And we start going into their average day, and we do find out that there is an interested buyer of Iris's media organization, the yeah. Central City Citizen Media. This was a fun little Easter egg I liked. Yeah, and who is the potential buyer? Catco, uh, run by Cat Grant. Yeah, so last time we heard Cat, she was in Supergirl and yep. doing big things over there. So it's interesting to see that they're tying her back into here. And Iris is kind of sitting there. She's not so sure. Not really sure about this and really kind of weighing the option, so to speak. Because it even gets presented to her like, why are you hesitating? This is a blank check. This is whatever you want. Yeah. This is the start of your media empire that you've always wanted. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, what are we doing here? Because it just seemed a little too much because, I mean, she does have her assistant, Allegra, who's yep. played by Kayla Compton. Yep. And... You know, she's like, well, you should just be jumping at this. I mean, this could set you on your financial freedom. This is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And she's just really not sold on the idea. Right. Meanwhile, at the Central City uh, Police Department, you have Barry getting offered the CSI job from the captain. And the big question mark is, can you handle this with your right. you know, duties as the Flash? Because as you may or may not have remembered, uh, the, the police chief is in on the secret. Yes. So we do see that Barry is assuring the captain that, you know, this won't be a problem and I can do this. Doesn't she make the quip? And I'm forgetting because I saw this episode like a week ago. Doesn't she make the quip like, oh, do you have enough speed for this? Yeah, she does make the quip. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I have the speed. Yeah, Captain Kramer played by Carmen Moore. Definitely throws that at him. And he's like, yeah, no, I can handle it. I can handle it. And then he gets called away to a disturbance in Central City. Uh and this one has a familiar name to the comics, but a different person behind it. Yes. And uh, who is that, Pat? That is a gentleman by the name of <laughs> Owen Mercer, although you might know him better by his alias, and that is Captain Boomerang. Yes. So a very classic uh, Flash villain. Yeah. And most notably from the Suicide Squad. Yep. Has now reappeared in a new form on the show, which I'm, yeah. I'm excited for. Yeah, so am I. So we do see that he is now trying to get a power source, mm-hmm. which is in the middle of the city. Why pad? Reasons. And during this, it goes off, mm-hmm. causing a very interesting predicament to happen. Yep. And that is a time loop. Groundhog Day. Yes. Which we literally sit here for the majority of this episode going over and over how Barry and Iris are trying to get out of this while they're also arguing about Mm -hmm. the book. This episode would have premiered a week earlier. It would have been perfect. Oh, exactly. They should have timed it for it. So why they didn't uh, beyond me, but nevertheless. So we keep going through these various scenarios where Barry and Iris are reliving the same day, trying to tweak it here and there with the help of Chester, uh, you know, which he's filling in the role for Cisco. And and like, I will say this, he has grown on me. So Brandon McKnight in the role of Chester has really 
swayed me in his favor. He's, he's filling the role. He's not trying to be Cisco, and, and and the and the writers are clearly not trying to write him as Cisco. Yes, they're writing him as his own character, which is nice. Yes, which I yeah I, I fully agree with. So I mean, that's the one bright spot for this episode is I really thought he came through. Yeah, you know, as his own character. So we do see that he's working with Barry, and obviously they're screwing up left and right, setting off the power source and and yeah. causing the loop to keep happening. Which really sucks for Iris because while Barry's having an exciting day after day after day trying new ways to solve this, Iris is just literally going to the same meeting and hearing the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. So they wind up getting out of this with a little help from Joe West and Cecile. So obviously longtime staples on the show. You see Jesse L. Martin is back as Joe West. Yep. And Daniel Nicolette is, is back as Cecile, his wife. And they're basically guiding Barry through this and saying, like, listen, you keep reliving this because you know the future. You know mm -hmm. how this plays out. Yep. This is, it, it all comes back to his book. Yep. So he winds up burning the book. And then him and Iris team up to basically go with each other on all their different scenarios mm -hmm. and basically answering each other's question for him. So thus you're causing a rift in the said time loop. And they do find a way to stop the nuclear blast coming from this power source. Which, yeah, it was called the Romer Accelerator, which, come to find out, it was basically a mini particle accelerator, like the one that was used in Star Labs. Yeah. So it, it all ties back together to the beginnings of the show. Yeah. But I thought they could have done a better job explaining it. Oh, absolutely. And I think they could have done a better job, you know, resolving the situation, because I'm sorry, this was like the most hokey shit I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I agree with you, too. Like, we've been here before. Like, yeah. that's, that's what this felt like. Yeah. And I was like, oh, really? Like, this is going to be the premiere? And, like, I hope this is not a... a Sign a, of a, things to come? Yeah, you know, precursor. Yeah. Uh, you know, a preview of things to come. I should yeah. say precursor. So my apologies. But that being said, we do see that there was a little romance going on between Allegra and Chester, which they've teased yeah. for a while now. A couple so, seasons. Yeah, yeah, so that's not super surprised. Yeah. But we do see that once the time loop is done... We have Barry meeting up with Iris and basically saying, you know what, let's take some time off. Yep. We've been doing this for nine years. Yeah. I love how the fact they kept having to say nine years. Like, let's beat, uh, let's beat it over the head, why don't we? Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, we get it. It's yeah. been nine years of The Flash. Yeah. So they wind up saying that even though you know they have a lot of changes come in their life and they're talking about having a ch uh, child – which, I mean, obviously, if you've watched the show long enough, you know they have yeah. children on the show. Yeah. Then it flashes to Joe and Cecilia, who have talked about how we've been involved with this for nine years. All the meanwhile, there's been this subplot going on with Joe and uh, and Cecile of Cecile trying to figure out who, her new telekinetic powers by throwing a football through a tire. Yeah. Which... Reasons. Well, reasons, again. And Joe mysteriously decides we've been doing this for... Nine years. Well, you know what? The Dick Wolf check must have come in. Exactly. We want to. I think we should leave Central City. Yeah, he's going back to New York. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, just the fact that they kept having to say what pad? Nine, Nine years. years was like okay. Like, we get the point by now. Yeah, you don't need to. You've like, been on for a while. Yeah, we like, get it. Like, you're not selling this point of like. You've been doing this so long, like, oh, gosh, the wear and tear of the superhero life has just caught up with me. It's like, no, it just it felt so forced. Like, that was one thing that mm -hmm. really irritated me. But we go into a weird finale. I should say part one of a, of a weird finale. Part two, I, I had no problem with. Yeah. But part one, we go back and we see an old friend 
Caitlin Snow. Or who we think is Caitlin Snow. Or who we think is, because Danielle Panabaker is back in the role. And obviously the character has gone through some very interesting changes throughout the nine years. <laughs> yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah. I mean, first having the split personality of Killer Frost, now is back to human, then we split him apart, then Killer Frost got killed because of Barry, thanks a lot. So Barry winds up meeting with a person he thinks is Caitlin. Yep. But we find out she's not Caitlin. Nope. And she's not Killer Frost. Nope. Who is she? Uh, we have no idea. We have no clue. It's a question left unanswered. Yeah. And that's how the show ends. Until we come back for a bonus scene. Uh-huh. Which I had no problem with because this is the only thing that really... This is the only good thing about the episode. Yeah, so we do see that Owen Mercer, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang, played by Richard Harmon, does get the power source away from Particle Accelerator 9.0. And he does hand it off to somebody, and you see that a mysterious metal briefcase is shoved at him. Mm-hmm. And inside said briefcase, for his duties, he's given new boomerangs Yep. that we don't know what the material is made of. But we do know it's supposed to be more powered than the ones he was using against the Flash, which just seemed like petty explosives. Yep. Because we do hear, you know, the so- I don't want to say sob story, but, you know, like how, you know, he had a tough time, you know, a- adjusting to the criminal yep. life and, you know, what, you know, the, the usual is nonsense. So it kind of took away a little bit here, but we do see that he was working with somebody. And we do see that there is a red speedster that is running by him. Mm-hmm. And at first I'm going, oh, Christ, not another speedster. Yes. But then the show ends with the usual flash symbol yeah, in a red bat symbol. Uh-huh. And, Pad, do you know what this recognizes as? No. So this is the character of Batwoman, played by Javissa Leslie on the show, is like now going to be Red Death, mm. which is one of the most legendary speedsters in all of comics. That is more or less the Grim Reaper of the Speedsters. Oh, boy. So it's kind of an interesting play that they want to do here. And I'm not sure how this is going to work out going Mm -hmm. long term with it. But it is interesting. And so I will say, like, that was the only thing redeeming about this. But I got to say, I was let down. Yeah, no, I was too. I was happy to really check this show out. I was like, okay, season nine, we're going to be like Arrow. We're going to finish strong. And then it just goes flat. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully something's more redeeming next week. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, not super amped up for it. Nope. I thought this was a letdown. I, I mean, I really want to be enticed by a show coming back for the final season. Yeah. Like, give me a reason to care. Go all out. Go crazy. Well, that's the whole thing, which made Arrow very good in its final run. Mm-hmm. You know, the other shows, eh, not so much, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, to each their own. I mean, I, I thought a lot of them could have been stronger. I thought Arrow had the best ending thus far. Of the CW shows. Yes. But I really want to see something really cap the Flash off in a good sense. And if this is going to be the kind of vibe going into this, I mean, Red Death might be interesting, and I'm going to check it out. I mean, especially, oh, absolutely. Especially if Javissa Leslie's back in the title role for that. So I'd be okay with this. But I really got to see more before I'm like in a co-sign on and say, yeah, this is really great. But alas, uh, it was what it was. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of shame. I guess you can kind of hear the disappointment in my voice. Yeah. Because I've always remembered the show with good memories from seasons one and two. Right. Well, and just I know you and I were thinking, all right, last season they're going to go arrow, you know, put the challenge, go crazy. You know, 
every episode because there's no room for filler. There's no, oh, hey, we'll address it next season. No, this is it. Yeah. This is your swan song. The entire universe that folks have been working on that I don't know how many thousands of people have been working on for 10 years. This is it. You know, this is going to be the final memory people have of this universe. You know, unless they do some sort of spinoff comic series a la Smallville season 11. Sure. You know, but for, for all intents and purposes, this is the it. And for, you know, starting the final season, it was such a misstep. Yeah, I agree with you. But that's our take on the Flash season premiere of uh, their final season. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What's your thoughts on the episode? Are you planning on checking this season out? If you've been a longtime viewer of the Flash or you jumped off early, are you planning on coming back to check this out? What's your thoughts for what this show should be about? Like, let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break, though. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And this past week was Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, it was. A lot of trailers came out during the game. <laughs> yeah, they did. Guardians of the Galaxy had a new trailer come out. Nothing really new about it. The greatest franchise in movie cinematic history came out. Yes, uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, I was going to say Fast 10. Uh, well, that wasn't Super Bowl. That was like a couple days before. And it's all about family. And family. that's when I saw it. But there was another one that uh, we've been waiting to see something about. Yeah. And we did have a teaser trailer come out a while ago about this. And yeah. obviously, we're not going to really duck the controversy going on with it. The star of this movie has really caused a polarizing reaction amongst fandom. Yeah, he's done some shit. Yeah, and we're not going to get into it. We talked about it on a previous episode, so we're just going to yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. But we did finally get the full wide trailer of the 2023 film The Flash starring Ezra Miller. Yep. This is the last hangover from the Snyderverse. It, uh, no, because I think Aquaman comes out after this. It is coming it's out. one of the last few. But the deal is with this is this is where Dawn of DC kicks in. The yep. reset happens. Yep. We do know Shazam Fury of the Gods is coming out. We do know yep. Aquaman 2 is coming out as well. Yep. But this is supposed to be the cap off of the former regime of the DC universe. Yep. And kick into the James Gunn, Peter Safran era, which is already in production. Yes. So... Like we said, this movie has got a lot of um, choices po- choices and polarizing reactions going on with this. We've heard a lot of names being thrown around. Are they in this movie? Are they not? What's this yep. about? Yep, yep. And we finally got a trailer in, so we're going to do this like we always do, give a spoiler-free statement, and then uh, give a deep dive about the trailer. So, Pad, let's talk about it. The trailer's okay. 
you know, it, it's it's certainly a trailer. I mean, we know we've known for quite some time that they're going to be doing the the seminal Flash storyline or Justice League storyline, however you want to classify it. Uh, Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. So we know what the subject matter is going to be about. So it's not going to be the most revolutionary story of all time. It's not going to be anything new. You know, it's not going to be anything groundbreaking. If you've read Flashpoint or seen the animated movie that came out 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know what it's going to be about. You know what's going to happen to a degree. There's obviously some changes, you know, but for for a trailer, it's okay. You know, it's great to see Michael Keaton back in the bat suit and mm-hmm. to hear him say, I'm Batman. You know, it's great to see Michael Shannon back as General Zod because he was fantastic in Man of Steel, and I don't think he got a fair shake and and should not have been killed off in the first one. Mm. You know, but past that, eh. You know, I'm sorry. Like, I should be excited for this. You know, I I love the animated film Flashpoint. Mm. You know, Flashpoint, the animated movie, fan-fucking-tastic movie. Go check it out wherever it's streaming. I don't know where it's streaming. Um, or rent it for like four or five bucks. Sure. You know, but I should be excited for this just because it's a great story. I like the story. You know, it's one of the few DC stories I actually know, you know, but just for all the shit going on surrounding Ezra Miller, I just can't be like, hell yeah, let's go see this. Yeah. I will say this before I get into my spoiler free take. If you're excited about this movie, be excited about it. Yeah. You know, don't let us dismay you from being a fan. And it like, listen, if you are super amped up about this, awesome. Yeah. Keep that energy. Yeah. Which, which side story. I showed this trailer to my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, who knows nothing of the controversy going on with Ezra Miller. Just it, listen, the whole superhero thing. It, she sees some of the movies, but she doesn't dip her toe. In yeah. Her, she's not as deep knowledge about it. She doesn't really, no disrespect. Right. No, she, she doesn't read the news. She didn't see the headlines. So she has absolutely no clue what's going on with Ezra Miller. I showed her this trailer and she's like, that looks good. I want to see it, which for me is a surprise. I usually have to entice her with, hey, you want to go get popcorn and happen to watch this superhero movie at the same time mm-hmm. is usually the way I get her involved with this stuff. But I showed her this trailer and she went, that looks good. I want to see it. Yeah, I will say the trailer looked okay. I know there's certain parts I liked more than others. Yeah. Um, Storyline wise, I didn't really see enough for me to really be over the moon about it. Right. But I do see there's some glimpses that this might be better than I'm expecting. It's but, got some promise. But I also saw some stuff in there I personally did not much care for. Sure. So I'm more prone to go see this based off of other elements involved with this movie. But I'm not, you know, I guess I'm kind of swaying from my initial, like, I'm not going to go see this. Right. Which, like, listen, I'm sorry. I'm allowed to change my mind, so. Yeah, hey, we're human. Yeah, so I'm kind of. Only human, uh, yeah. after all. But I'm not, you know, like I said, I haven't really made a choice, yes, you know, right. to do it. So. Right, right, But I would just say, like, for the elements I saw that I liked, I would go see this movie. Yeah. But I'm kind of. I, I, I'm probably going to go see it just because I know Liz. Yeah, Liz want, wants to, wants to see, see it. it. You know, I'm going. For, I'm going for Michael Shannon. I'm going for Michael Keaton. I'm going for Ben Affleck, because yo, can you imagine if we get a moment in the movie where Affleck and Keaton are standing like back to back in the middle of a fight? Oh sure. What the fuck? Like that. That would be worth it. Like the Ezra Miller stuff, obviously, is is certainly an issue, and I I don't condone or support anything Ezra Miller has done. Agreed. Same. You know, but. I if, if when I end up going because Liz wants to see it, I'm going for the Keatons. I'm going for the Shannons. I'm going for the stuff that's not Ezra Miller related. Mm-hmm. 
So like I say, there's certain elements to like about this movie and there's certain elements not to like about this movie. And you got to make your own choice about it. But like for where I'm standing with it, I thought it was better than I expected, but I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah, it, it was just, it was a trailer. I mean, listen, it's not an, an unknown story. Right. You know, we've like I said, we've known for God knows how many years that they're going to be doing this based off of Flashpoint. If mm-hmm. this was something new, you know, from one of the classic, you know, Flash writers... You know, then I'd be like, oh, this is this is this is really got my interest. This is, we don't know what this is, but we know what it is. Flashpoint's been around for how long? Yeah. Case in point. So that said, I mean, let's just get into spoiler talk with this. So in three, two, one, um, let's just jump into it. Pat. Yeah. So the trailer kicks off with a shot of Barry appearing in front of his parents' house. Yep. You're hearing a voice in the background. It sounds like Michael Keaton. Yep. And it's basically talking about timelines. Yeah, and, like, hey, you can go anywhere, any place in time. Why here? Yeah. And you do see some glimpses of him traveling, and then it's a shot of inside his parents' house, and it does look like the Batman cowl. Mm-hmm. Or at least a stone bust of it. Something. Right. Then we get a shot that I know has a lot of fans talking, and this is a shot of Batman riding on a motorcycle. Uh-huh. And I know there has been some online speculation that that's Christian Bale. Uh, the ears are not long enough on that cowl. Yeah, so we'll say as of right now. It's Batfleck. Yeah, we're going to say it's Ben Affleck, who we know is in the movie as well. Yeah. So we do see that Barry is on the or explaining to somebody on the phone, and the voice is asking, like, why do you want to stay here and fight for this one to save this earth? And you see a lot of quick imagery going around, and then Bezra Miller appears and says, because this is one where my mom lives. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about the Flash mythos, yep. Barry Allen's uh, mom was killed uh, in the timeline, and Barry has always had that as a haunting mm-hmm. feeling over him, and he's always tried fixing it one way or another. Mm-hmm. So when he decides to dabble in the timeline, obviously it causes problems. And you do see a quick flashback of a young Barry Allen with his mom yeah. dancing in the kitchen. And you see how Barry's parents in the film are there watching as his mom is dying. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird scenario seeing, but you do see that Ron Livingston and Maribel Verdu mm-hmm. are playing Henry Allen and Nora Allen in this. And so you are seeing Nora Allen get killed. Yeah. So, which ties into a lot of, like I said, we've seen this on the flash show quite a few times. And yeah. young Barry is standing there watching. Yeah. So then it kind of kicks into a shot of Barry running through a bridge. Great special effects showing yeah. the lightning happening. Yeah. And, you know, the voice is saying time is a pattern and you're seeing, you know, but it can't help reliving. And you do see the young Barry, who is, a, you know, a young teenager, maybe at best. Yeah. Running past the established Barry Allen of Ezra Miller that we know. Mm-hmm. And does show, so a, show a quick shot of his parents and, you know, the caption is different people, different worlds are drawn to each other and you are seeing that Barry has officially crossed over. Yep. And you do see him touch the shoulder of his mom. And then it goes into a very unique shot and pad. What is that shot? That is Barry looking at himself. Yes. Or at least this universe's version of himself. Yeah. So you see one Barry with semi-long hair, and then you see another Barry with short hair. Which I'm thinking this could end up tying back into the Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever the hell it was on whatever season of The Flash where where we had that cameo appearance. Because Ezra Miller's Flash had no idea what the fuck was going on, and Grant Gustin's Flash obviously did. Mm -hmm. So we could get a semi-Grant Gustin mention in this movie. I tell you what, if Grant Gustin's in this, I will definitely go see this movie. Yo. (laughs) Just putting that out there. 
But you do see that they have this the stare down, and you know, one Barry says, "Oh, you stole my face." Yeah. So then we get the shot of the date of the movie, which is June sixteenth, coming out, and then a shot of Wayne Manor, stately Wayne Manor. Yes, which it looks like a gothic castle. Mm-hmm. So we've seen this shot before, so this isn't anything super crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you do see both berries are walking through. And you do see the Ben Affleck's uh, basically saying, like, trying to give Barry some peacefully advice. Yeah. Like, don't do this. Like, like and, uh, Barry even says, Bruce, I could fix things. He goes, yeah, you could. You, you could also destroy everything. Yes. So you are seeing that. I mean, they do have this almost like weird parenting vibe yeah. that we saw in Justice League 2 where, yeah. you know, Bruce Wayne is trying to give some knowledge to Barry Allen, but Barry is just not listening. We also do get a quick glimpse of the Flash ring. Yeah, I did like that shot. Which was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's something from the comics, so I will definitely always mark out for that. But then we get a shot of a lot of television screens. Yes. And then on said screen is appearing to me as an old friend returning from the dead. That's what it looks like. And, Pat, who is that person? Looks like Michael Shannon as General Zod. Yes, which... Looks awesome because then we get a shot of Man of Steel. Yeah, literally, it, it looks like it's a shot straight out of Man of Steel with the World Maker and Engine Maker, whatever the hell the thing was called. I haven't seen the movie in a while. Uh, destroying Metropolis. Yes, and you do see the Barry Allen is standing there watching and going, "I completely broke the universe," which he's done multiple times in the comics. So uh-huh. this is nothing new. Then we get a full shot of General Zod. Which Hell yeah. He looked amazing. Like I say, this is one of the things I was excited about because yeah. I will say this. I've always been a Man of Steel fan. Yes. I might not have liked that Clark broke his neck, but I get why. Yeah. It it portrays to the story. It was not yeah. exactly my favorite moment of the movie. Right. But I did say I, I always liked Michael Shannon as General Zod. I thought he did a great job. Michael Shannon him. was awesome. Yeah, so you see that Zod is like, here, we've been waiting for you. And you see him making his slow approach towards what you assume would be Barry. Probably. And then you're hearing a voice going, I created a world with no metahumans. Yep. And you are kind of seeing like a like a weird shadowy figure in, it looks like almost like in a prison cell, so to speak. Yep. And this is actually the new Supergirl, mm-hmm. Sasha Kale. Yeah. So we do see her that we don't know where she is. I'm assuming at this point she's on Zod's ship. Probably, yeah. That is my guess. Yeah. And then we do see a shot and just like some explosions going off and then it appears like Barry's back in the Batcave and saying, you want some help? Yep. But however, this is not the typical Batcave. Nope. This is the one that everybody started marking out on the internet, and rightfully so. Because there's a certain cowled individual with a certain set of pointy ears that's real familiar showing up. And who is that, Pat? The one, the only, the original, Michael Keaton. Yes. We are now back in Batman 89 land. Mm-hmm. So we do see a full-blown Batcave, the one that we haven't seen in a while, and Michael Keaton is back in the role of Bruce Wayne in front of both Barry Allen's. And, kicking ass. Yeah, and he's back just saying, yep, you know, the the the, the great line from the movie of 1989, which I'm going to just put this out there right now. If you have not seen that movie for Seriously. whatever reason, yeah, for whatever reason, do yourself a favor. I'm going to look up where it is to tell you. Go see Batman 89, because if you're not understanding why this movie is causing so much of a buzz in the Flash movie and why everybody is losing their mind about this 
That movie directed by Tim Burton. Uh, currently on HBO Max. It's perfect. Go go watch it this weekend. This movie was the first time we had really seen a great balance of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mm-hmm. Gotham was over the top. Jack Nicholson yeah. as the Joker was absolutely awesome. Oh, yeah. And you do see how this could work on a big screen, which, I mean, for me, this was arguably one of the first superhero movies I ever saw. Sure. So I have very nostalgic feelings to this. And I know I talk with a lot more fans around my age, and everybody has the same kind of vibe. Sure. Because Keaton was great in the role. They only had two movies with him. Right. And Batman Returns. And Batman Returns was hit or miss, dependent. Like, I don't know. It wasn't a home run for me. Sure. Elements I did like, certain things I didn't like. And then he was gone from the role, and then we went to the Val Kilmer mode and George yep. Clooney, and then <laughs> Which Christian we don't Bale. Talk about. Yeah, uh, but we go into those, you know, the lineage of the Bat. But this is the one that everybody talks, you know, in the same vein with Kevin Conroy. Yeah, you know, or Adam the, West, or Adam West, who's the greatest Batman of all time. Like, there's a great debate about it. And sure, really, there's no wrong answer. But I understand why fans are marking out about this moment because this is big for kids that grew up in the '80s. Sure. And early 90s. Like, this is your Batman. Sure. And to see him come back on screen. Oh, yeah. That's a big moment. So oh, yeah. I don't fault anybody for marking no, out I, about this. No, I totally understand where you and anybody else who's a... Well, and listen, I love this movie. You know, mm-hmm. is it my favorite movie of all time? No, but I respect the hell out of this movie. I understand where you're coming from, from for this because this for you is like Tom Welling for me yeah. on, on Smallville. Absolutely. Seeing Tom Welling again, I was fucking marking out like a madman. Yeah. So, like, the fact we're here, I'm like... I wish this was Batman Beyond, but I'm happy. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm here for it. So we do have him say the the iconic line, yeah, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah, which, I mean, if you don't know, just go search YouTube. You can find out why this is impactful. The man ended a commencement speech for some college was saying, I got one, two pieces of advice for you. I'm Batman. Yeah. And then we hear the Danny Elfman music. Oh, the, the Danny Elfman theme. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and we see that he makes a, a valiant swoop in. Kicking ass and not taking names. Yeah, and, and Pad, you said he was doing his own stunts for this? No, I, I was joking. Oh, I thought you were being serious. I was like, my <laughs> no. God, if he was, that'd be incredible. No, no. But then we get another shot of Batfleck, as we'll call it, Ben Affleck's Batman. Yep. Who is escaping a police car, falling around him. It's a great <laughs> shot of him on the motorcycle. And then it's kind of a weird shot as we see a floating character carrying up a body into the lightning-filled sky. Uh, and this person has a red cape. Yes. So at this point, I know some people were saying, oh, that's Superman and Henry Cavill. And it's like, no, unfortunately. No. I'm going to say no. I'm saying this is Supergirl carrying yep. another Supergirl into the lightning yeah. to give her her powers back. And then we do hear a Barry monologue saying, okay, what if I can't undo what I did? And you see, like, the Earth is caving in around him. Yeah. And he's running through the different timelines. And then we see Michael Keaton's Batman show up in, you know, complete, you know, form ready to go. And then we see a lot more flashbacks. And then we see a moment, and this is one I was going to talk about with Pat. Yeah. We do see the two speedsters, which we're assuming is both Barry Allens, connecting to each other. Uh, and, by, and, by their boots. Yes. But one is in the color scheme of Zoom. Uh-huh. Now, am I saying this is the villain? Nah, maybe. Maybe. And I'll throw that kind of, you know, if we're going to do locks and leaps, I'll throw this as a leap. I think that you might see one of the berries turn into a villain. Could be. I mean, it, it, like you said, it is that same color scheme. Yeah. You know, but I've, I've got the, I'm on the official DC 
uh, YouTube page, you know, uh, where with the uh, two minutes and six seconds, and I've got it paused, and it like just from the because it's in it's blurry, it's in it's in motion, but from the quick screen grab I'm looking at, it looks like the exact same, yeah, pattern, you know, as as Ezra Miller, Barry Allen from the universe we know, his his suit. So is it maybe just a design choice of this one? I don't know. Could it be Zoom? I don't know. It also reminds me of a brief time in the comics where Wally West was the Flash sure. and it had a similar blue lightning. It was brief, though. Sure. But it, it could be in that kind of vein, too. I just saw that and I immediately thought Zoom. And yeah. I don't know why, but... Well, maybe, understandable. But you know what? That's kind of where I've seen it in a while. Because like I said, the, the other color scheme... I haven't seen it in the comics in quite some time. I'll admit, though, I haven't read a lot of Flash lately, even though I've heard it's amazing. And what the work Jeremy Adams is doing on the book right now is just stellar. So I might have to go. Like I said, I've been meaning to deep dive into it. I think now i got to actually go do it. Right. But then we get another shot of the Berries arguing with each other and screaming how there might not be a future. And then, you know, it just kind of plays into... I don't want to say they're typical, you know, back and forth, but it's yeah. a Barry thing. And this yeah. is, you know, something that he does quite often. Then we see lightning shooting through, and we do see a, a shot of Supergirl punching Zod. Yeah. And then there's another big explosion. And then we see the full shot of Supergirl firing her laser her heat vision yep. into a ship. We get a shot very briefly of Batman in the blue and gray suit. Hell yeah. A la Adam West. So, Hell yeah. Like, listen, I'm here for this. And then we do see it appears it's Batman doing a drop kick. Uh, straight up uh, WWE style yeah. through somebody. So we're not sure who it is against. More explosions are going off, which is never a bad thing. Nope. And then we do see that Barry Allen is pinned down by soldiers, soldiers of some sort. We do see that Michael Keaton Batman is basically saying, well, because he, he's going, what are we going to do now? And he's like, try not to die. And we do see him click on his fist, and then behind him is Supergirl in the prison garb yep. that we saw her in the uh, spaceship as we saw. And then we do yeah. see her talking to both Barry's and say, hi, I'm Kara. And then we see the credits roll out for the flash, but then they kind of cap off the episode or the trailer, I should say with Kara in her full Supergirl suit mm-hmm. as she's flying by both Barry's and they're trying to take a selfie. No, well, they're the ones trying to take a photo of her and uh, our Barry says, what are you doing? And the other one says, our water kids are going to want to see this. Yeah. So, like we say, I mean, there's a lot going on with this trailer. And like I say, the good parts, I really liked what I saw mm-hmm. with Sasha Kale's, uh Supergirl. Yeah. I think she's going to be great in this. Oh, I think so, too. So, I was super excited to see her. Uh, obviously, Zod is back, so you have my interest there with Michael Shannon. Um, and Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton. Like, I'm excited for them. Yeah. I got to admit, though... I'm not as excited for the Ezra Miller flash. I've just never yeah. been a big fan of him in the role. And then you throw on top of everything else, but that's my personal opinion. Right. I mean, for me, I was kind of like, eh, it's okay. You know, they never gave him enough screen time for me to really give a shit about, mm-hmm. you know, so jumping into one of the most famous, if not the most famous flash stories of all time, like I feel like you build up to that. You don't necessarily lead off with that. Yeah. But, hey, that's previous regime. And, it's going to be a one and done for him, I would presume. Oh, I would say so, too. If I have to make an educated guess, yeah, it's done. Yeah. Because the one thing that we got to remember, too, is with James Gunn at the helm, there's not a lot of carryover from the Snyderverse to the dawn of DC. Probably not. So for everybody that's losing their minds right now about the fate of this version, 
it's already been established this is the end of that current run of the yep. DC universe. And the no, movie, Netflix is not buying it. No, Netflix is not buying it. It's not going to happen. It it's one and done, folks. And even if this makes a billion dollars, which I don't it, know, it, it, I don't know if it's going to. It might come close just for Keaton alone. Well, Keaton if, helps. If, if Keaton were not in this movie, I would say there's no chance in hell. But you know, once this movie comes out, they're going to market the fuck out of the fact that Keaton's back as Batman. Well, that's what they're kind of selling right now, though. Yeah. If you really want to break it down, the the marketing behind this is Michael Keaton is back. This yes. is not that was that was all anyone was talking about once this trailer dropped. It was not. Hey, there's a Flash movie coming. It's hey, Michael Keaton is back as Batman. Yeah. But like I say, I've never been a big fan of of Ezra Miller's Flash. No. Just in the, just from the Justice League movies, I haven't really been a big fan. And I've seen this story play out on the CW yep. for nine years. <laughs> so I'm not, like, super excited to see this story go. I mean, we had this the first season of The Flash. Yeah, we did. To be honest with you. We had it how many years ago? Nine, nine years. So after that, it's like, okay, what are we doing? So that's kind of my take on it. But I'm happy for the nostalgia factor for me. And that's why I say, like, if I go see this, it's because I want to go see Michael Keaton. Yeah. Because I like Michael Keaton. I want to go see General Zod. And plus, the Supergirl aspect really is interesting to me. Different. Yeah, because I really want to see how this plays out. And this is going to end that former regime of movies. It's done. So, like I say, I'm more prone to see it. I'm not saying I'm fully sold on it. You know, like I say, when we get closer, I mean, but I, I will say this, I'm more warmed up to it. So, like I say... Before, I was just like, no, we're not going to do it. But, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. now seeing this trailer is like, I know there's going to be certain people that are going to DM us and ask me, like, yo, do you guys mind covering this? Or well, you gonna... well, well, you for the longest time, you said you weren't going to believe it was coming out until you were actually sitting in a theater or you saw a trailer. Yeah, I know. Because this, this movie's been in development hell for years. Oh, exactly. So, like I say, I didn't think we were going to see this. And now that I'm seeing it, I'm more prone to it. But I haven't exactly said, like, yeah. Like, you can kind of tell in the sound of my voice. I'm not screaming at the top of my lungs, like, I want to go see oh this. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I could be talked into this. And, you know, like, honestly, if I have a gift card, if I have a free ticket, yeah, I'm not going to turn it down. But am, am I, like, saying, is this my Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? No. Right. Like I say, I'm more prone for that. Holy fuck, this movie's been in development hell for longer than I thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, so from going on the Flash film Wikipedia page, uh, under a section that's titled Early Attempts, development of a film based on the DC Comics character of The Flash began in the late 1980s when Warner Brothers hired comic book writer Jeff Loeb to write a screenplay. Warner Brothers hired David S. Goyer to write, direct, and produce a new version of The Flash in December 2004. Yeah. So this movie's been literally been in development for like 19 years. Yeah. No, it's been around me because the one thing is take the, you know, polarizing actor out of this. Yeah. The Flash has always been a character that has been very popular with DC. Sure. Throughout the history of comics ever since his debut. He's one of the big seven of DC. He's not in the Trinity, but he's in the big seven. And when he's done well, he's a captivating character. We've seen this glimpses on the CW show. We've seen this in the 90s show with John Wesley Shipp. Yeah. We've seen this on the cartoons. Yes. And like I say, the comics, when they're good, man, the Flash has had some great runs throughout time in in space. Pun intended. But when it's not good, fans tune out. And in this situation, yeah, fans have wanted to see this because 
if you can see him on screen, that's something special. Because for a lot of people, like the Flash is their hero. Yeah. This is the number one. And listen, nothing wrong with it. I just think, unfortunately, due to the controversy around the, surrounding the actor playing, yeah, it's it's not helping matters. No. And I know a lot of people that don't want to go see it because of him. And that's and listen, understandable. That's your call. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. But if you're excited to go see it for other reasons, be excited for other reasons. Like I say, everybody we've talked to, and I think this is a very honest statement, is just said Keaton. Yeah. That's it. Yep. No talk of Ezra. But I know a lot of people that I talked to as well said, I'm not going to go see it because of him. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. That's that's your prerogative. You do whatever makes you happy with this. But I think for now seeing the full trailer, I'm more warm to it, but I'm not like clamoring to go see it. I think there's certain elements that are that are big wins. But I think overall, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, ticked the mm-hmm. needle a little bit, but it's not moved the needle. You know, for me to be like, you know, from bad to good. Mm-hmm. But like I say, it's enough that I'm intrigued. I might go see it if we yeah. have enough listeners ask us to. Yeah, I could always do it. You know, like I say, if, if we have enough people that ask, we, you know, we usually go check it out. Mm-hmm. And I know especially if Liz is asking you to go. You know, we'll, we'll, I'll probably end up going to see Yeah, him. you probably end up going to see him. Any final thoughts on this, Pat? Like I said, it's a trailer. It's okay. Is the, did it blow me away? No, but it, it, look, there were parts of it I liked. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's parts I liked, but am I blown away by it? No. Did I think it was better than the season premiere and, uh, of episode or season nine? Yeah, I actually do. Oh, wow. I got to admit. But then again, I'm a Keaton fan, so you know what? I'm happy to see him back. So that kind of sways me. But what sways you, ODPH Society? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. The Flash trailer finally came out. Good, bad, and different. What's your feelings on that? And are you planning on going to see the movie? Just want to know yes or no. I mean, if you want to say why, sure. That's that's all on you. But if you're excited for this, be excited for it. If you're not being excited for it, don't ruin it for anybody else. We all want to be fans here. We all want to just you know, be as positive as we can be. And you, know, you ultimately have to make the call if this is going to be a movie for you or not. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which, I got to mention the two episodes that dropped last week uh, for The Bad Batch. Uh, episode 7, The Clone Conspiracy, and Episode 8, Truth and Consequences. If you have not seen anything from The Bad Batch this season, but you are familiar with the overall Star Wars story, and you kind of got some questions of like, how did we get from clones to average Joes? Watch this episode. Mm-hmm. Fills in a lot. Two phenomenal episodes. Yeah, they were real good. Cannot recommend them enough. Uh, This week's episode that dropped, uh, which we'll talk about next week, got some promise. It's a little, eh, but there's a a little bit of a cliffhanger. It's not like a full-blown, oh my God, what's going to happen? But clearly it's leading to something else happening in the following week. So we'll see what happens. But episodes seven and eight, fantastic fucking episodes. Yeah, no, I thought they were really good. Like, I've been really enjoying what I've caught this season, but... These two, I mean, it doesn't top the Commander Cody one for yes. me, but I did like this, and especially yeah. the ending of the first one was wild. Ooh, that yeah. was wild. Yeah. Uh, then we got some news about the upcoming I Am Legend sequel. Yes, this is happening. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so according to the folks over at Deadline, quote, I Am Legend, next chapter, Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan to star and produce together for the first time. Oh. Akiva Goldsmith, back to write. 
this is an exclusive, which the article reads, quote, Warner Brothers is upping the stakes on its I Am Legend franchise to a stratospheric level. For its next chapter, the studio is bringing back not only original star Will Smith, but also Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan in what will rep the duo's first big movie together as stars and producers. Talk about two big stars aligning, Smith and Jordan's movies combined have grossed a massive $12.3 billion worldwide. Plot details, of course, are being kept under wraps. Oscar winner Akiva Goldsman, who adapted Richard Matheson's 1954 novel for the original 2007 movie, also is returning to pen the follow-up and produce as well. All these deals are closed, I understand, but no director is attached as the project is still being developed. Francis Lawrence directed the original I Am Legend, close quote. So, hey, it's a bit of a surprise because I didn't know they were making a sequel for this. But once I saw uh, Michael B. Jordan was attached, I'm like, you know what? That's got some promise to it. You know, to be honest, yeah, that was the only thing that would interest me about this. Yeah. I was I was not a fan of the first one. I thought I, it was I, all right. I, like, it was okay. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't like, yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, sticking to some movie news and uh, Netflix movie news, we finally, finally got a release date for the upcoming Last Kingdom uh, film, which that is the show that was originally on the BBC. Netflix picked it up. Fantastic show. You should go watch it. Uh, but the la- the article reads, quote, The Last Kingdom follow-up, Seven Kings Must Die, has set a premiere date at Netflix. Variety has learned exclusively. The film will debut on streamer on the streamer on April 14th. In addition, Netflix has released first look images from the film, which can be seen uh, in the article above and below. Quote, it has been such an honor to be part of the telling of this story for all these years, said series star and executive producer Alexander Draymond. As an actor, I have been so challenged and gratified by the privilege of playing Uhtred. Hanging up Uhtred's sword after filming Seven Kings felt, ironically, heavy. Even though I know our t- that our tale has reached its conclusion as an EP on the show, I could not have b- could not be more proud of the hundreds of people who spent thousands of hours to make the best product possible. As for our loyal fans, what can I what can I say? You are you are the reason we've reached this point and uh, point and got to bring our saga to the the end. This, as it's always been, is for you. Close quote. Hmm. Super fucking excited for this. Like I said, uh, Last Kingdom was a show that was on my Netflix queue for a few years, and then I f- finished watching something. I don't remember what. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a little bit of a fantasy, you know, medieval vibe. Let me go watch this. Damn, it's a good show. You know, cannot. I think it's like five, six seasons, whatever it is. Uh, but definitely, you, if you need something to watch and you need to scratch that fantasy. Uh, itch definitely give that one a watch because I cannot recommend it enough. Super excited to watch the movie when it comes out. Yeah, I know you've been amped about that one for a yeah. long time. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and then comic recommendation only got the one this week. Uh, it is Star Wars issue number thirty one from Charles Soule. Uh, description of this is Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, and an elite crew of Rebel heroes are lost in the farthest reaches of no space after a mission gone wrong. A desperate maneuver is their only chance to find a way home. But what will it cost them? Ba ba ba. So uh, we'll see. Listen, it's Charles Soule. It's Star Wars. Uh, enough said. That's that's enough for Pad. Yes, it is. Pad's got great recommendations. I got some too. See, that's why we give them separately because you know what? We like to give our different point of views about it because we're you know very different fans when it comes to our comics. However, though, there was a story that came out, Pad. Yeah. That I want to get your opinion on. Okay. Because I know you've been reading a lot of Amazing Spider-Man. I know I'm not sure where you are in the current series, but it has been announced that. There is going to be, quote-unquote, the most shocking issue of Amazing Spider-Man in 50 years. Okay. Uh, coming out 
with uh, Maze, Amazing Spider-Man 25, and Amazing Spider-Man 26. Okay. Do you have any guesses like what they could do? Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is they bring back Uncle Ben in some fashion. See, I got to imagine they got to kill somebody off. Like, yeah. that's that's the kind of vibe that's going uh, on. They're here. about due for one of those. Yeah. Like I say, Marvel had a, a press release about this. I, we're checking out from comicbook.com because uh, I was like, okay, what are they going to be doing here? It's been a while since they've killed anybody off that I can yeah. think of. And especially for like, and especially in the, in the, in the promotional art. So this is the Zeb Wells, John Romita Jr. run. Yep. It says it right there, the truth revealed, but at what cost? Mm. And it's a it's a shot of Peter and Mary Jane on the one cover for twenty five. Twenty six has got a lot of faces you know from the Spider Man universe. Sure. And like I say, they just keep screaming the most shocking issue of Amazing Spider Man in fifty years. Well it can't be this secret getting revealed because they did that and that was not fifty years ago. Yeah. So I don't know where to go from here, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm definitely planning on picking it up because, I mean, I've been trying to catch up on a lot of Spider-Man. But as you probably know if you're a longtime listener to the DPH or if you follow me on social media, I read a lot of comics during the week, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Yeah. So some series i got to binge and catch up on. Amazing Spider-Man is one of them. So I want to give some discretion about that. But I'm planning on checking this up because if you're hyping this up, and like I say – 25 and 26 are supposed to be like the big ones. So coming out in May, uh, if you're really hyping it this big, they got to deliver. Yeah, I would say so. So like I say, so definitely have that on my radar. I think, Pad, we'll probably be talking about it on the show because imagine with that news, I know that just probably made your radar as well. Uh, Absolutely. So that being said, we'll go to some more comic recommendations, but I want to start off with one. And that is for a good friend of ours. We refer to him as family from the podcast. Our guy, Alan Dunford. And everybody, yeah. and everybody over at Top Hat Studios. Two more days left as we are recording to get on board with the Pocus Hocus Kickstarter. They have doubled their pledge goal. Hey. So they're definitely going to be doing very well with this. Yeah, they are. But I implore you, if you listen to the podcast, if you listen to the great interview Alan had with Nerd Initiative, this is a series you want to get behind. You are, I, Trust me, make the final push. If you haven't even dipped into this universe, it's well worth the time. They make a lot very fan-friendly for you, and they really give you a lot of incentive to support them. And, like, trust me, they're one of the most popular reviews we do each and every issue. They have a very strong following. They got a big 2023 coming out. So if you want to get on board now at the ground level, we have the Kickstarter link still up on odphpodcast.com. It's right on the front page. Click it. Go sign up. Do yourself a favor. Trust me, you won't regret it. Regret it. Um, like I say, I get too amped up talking about this book, but they got a lot of incentive for you to check it out. And if you haven't checked out the interview, go back and see when Alan swung through here. He's always a great guest. He's already, he's already booked his appearances for like the rest of the year, and he's always welcome to come on any other time. Like that's that's how you know much we have uh, friendship with him, and we definitely like promoting the hell out of him and the rest of the team over at Top Hat Studios. So make sure to go click on that for New Comic Book Day. Trust me, it'll be well worth it. All right, so we got to get some other picks. So uh, from DC Comics this week. There was a book that came out that uh, I'm kind of interested in seeing the reaction of because I don't really know what to expect of it, and that's Batman Spawn Unplugged. Oh, boy. So I did wind up picking up Batman uh, Spawn when it came out. Mm-hmm. So um, great art, story, uh, not for me. Gonna okay. be honest. going to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, just 
didn't understand what the hell was going on, but it was it was great visually to watch. So yeah. I'm not mad about that. Also, I know on Pad's radar that I know he did not mention Batman: The Audio Adventures number five. Hell yeah! So the new issue is out this week at the comic shops. On the Marvel side of things, Nightcrawlers number one. So we talked about this with Sins of Sinister. Everything's spinning out into a different book. Yeah, I saw the cover art of this. The fucking, or at least some art of this. It looks fucking wild. Yeah. No, it definitely looks dope as all can be. So if you haven't checked out that, I'm going to say give a recommendation. Go check out Sins of Sinister, too, because that was a really, really good issue. And like I say, anytime you dabble in the world of Age of Apocalypse, even if it's a refresh, I don't mind. Yeah. Not mad one bit. And then as far as Parlay Point reviews go this week, one of the bigger weeks. Oh, yeah? Yes, which uh, we've also been doing some signal boosts on the Nerd Initiative website because... We're really trying to get these books out, and they've been super gracious about sharing our reviews on there. Views have been incredible, so a lot of people are going out and buying these books, which is what makes me super happy. So whether you read them at odphpodcast.com or nerdinitiative.com, listen, as long as you're reading the reviews and you're going to check these books out, I've done my job. First one on my list this week was Edgewood number 7, Chuck Austin, Patrick Olaf. The space uh, sci-fi western is absolutely ramping up. Great issue. Really diving into the dynamic of the two lead characters. Don't want to spoil too much because it is kind of a crazy issue, but well worth it on Comixology Originals. So that is, they actually had a very big week this week. Two books coming out. Retroverse number three, two from Cullen Bunn, John Bivens. Uh, Story is really getting interesting here. Uh, It's all about a disappearance of a 19-year-old who wakes up years away from where she uh, disappeared from. Mm Mm-hmm. And comes back and there's a big mystery around her and what's been done with her um, because uh, aliens are involved. Mm. And it goes a lot of different directions, but it's still a fun read, though. And I I really enjoyed it. Like I say, it's it's definitely interesting. It's now at the midway point. It's only going to be five issues. So you definitely want to go check that out on Comixology Original. So, you know, I'm doing some really good work. So I would say try checking that out, too, because a lot of that stuff does come to print as well. My biggest recommendation of the week, though, and I can't stress this enough because I talk about this book a lot and rightfully so, Dead Lucky Number 6, Pad. Okay. Melissa Flores, French Carlomeno. Uh, This is the end of the first arc. They're taking a hiatus until Supermassive 2 drops. Okay. They did a phenomenal job with this finale. A lot of stuff is going on in this issue because the Battle of San Francisco goes down. If you've been reading this book since issue one, and you should because this book is a lot of awesome. <laughs> like uh, That's the easiest way I can describe it. This pays off for longtime readers. There is a lot that happens in the middle to end of this book that is going to get you in all the emotional uh, moments mm-hmm. and really sets off for a cool direction when the series comes back. I was blown away by this. I, I give this my highest possible recommendation this weekend, rightfully so, because the work Melissa Flores and French and the team there have been doing on this is truly something I think more fans need to go check out because it's amazing. The trade paperback is coming out in May, I believe. Okay. So if you haven't picked it up, do yourself a favor, go get some issues and go get the trade paperback. It's well worth it. And I will talk about this book at at great lengths. I want to say ad nauseum because you know what? Right. I, I love talking this book and I will talk to anybody about this. I've actually talked to quite a few fans today about this and I'm like, Yes, it is this good. Yes, you need to go buy it. Um, you know, what else can you really say about this book? It's just the highest possible recommendation. Absolutely love the series. Can't wait to see a return uh, after Supermassive 2, which 
Maybe we'll get some uh, guests to come on the show and talk about that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm. Stay tuned. Also, uh, that was from Image Comics coming out from Boom Studios. They had a great triple threat this week. Grim number eight. Okay. Stephanie Phillips, Flaviano, doing amazing things with arguably one of the coolest series out there. New characters have been introduced. Uh, a lot of things happening with Jessica's current story arc. So obviously they're the midpoint of uh, the second arc and things are getting crazy. I know Pat is not a horror fan, so I will not show him some of the imagery because I know he will get, he does not want to see that. I also want to sleep. Yes. But uh, it's not, it's not too bad. Just there's a lot going on obviously with the fallout from the first arc and Jessica's new stat quo. And mm-hmm. Book takes a great curveball here, too, and there's a lot happening, so definitely highly recommend reading that. Go check out the trade paperback out for that as well, too, because it is awesome. Also, Boom Studios, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 105. Uh, what else can we say? Melissa Flores and Simona D. Gianfelice have been absolutely killing this book since they took over issue 101. Uh, big things going on here because obviously last issue they were focusing on the introduction of uh, or the origin of Mistress Vile, right. uh, which is Reader Pulse's new stat quo. They get back to basics. A lot of old friends return for this book. So if you're a longtime Power Rangers reader, you're going to definitely dig it. And uh, setting up for a big issue 106. I'm not sure what's going to go down there, but I'm expecting big things. And trust me, if you haven't read this series since uh, the new creative team has taken over, do yourself a favor. It's some of the best books out there, and they have absolutely been making their own, you know, areas well, you know, in the Power Rangers universe. Like, they have carved their own niche on the, on the Mount Rushmore of, yeah. our, of creative teams. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to go with. I try getting, like, calming down because I get very amped up when I talk, uh, especially if something I really dig. So okay. that's one book that I say I got to calm down when I talk about because it's so good. It's so, so good. House of Slaughter, Boom Studios as well, too. So, like I say, they had a great triple th- uh, threat coming out this week. So, Tate Brombell, Antonio Fioso, uh, or Fioso, excuse me about that, uh, continue the story of Jace the Busher. And the story is getting a little crazy, obviously, kicking off in the second arc. So, uh, they do slow burns better than anybody. Not really sure what's happening here, but you know what? I can't wait to see because the payoff is always big, and especially if you read the first arc of House of Slaughter, the spinoff book of Something Is Killing the Children, you know Jace's story, obviously, with Aaron Slaughter, and now it's picking back up where that left off. A lot of things are happening, and especially Jace's new role. Um, trying to uh, help out some young orphans he's watching over, but obviously the hunter life is still affecting as well. And last but not least... Torrent number one, Mark Guggenheim and Justin Greenwood team back up Image Comics. Uh, great superhero story talking how easy it is to slip from being a hero to a vigilante when one bad thing happens. Mark Guggenheim, intimately familiar with vigilantes. Yes, because you know his work from Arrow. Yeah. So definitely a lot of cool stuff at the comic shops this week. So definitely make sure you're checking out the reviews on both odphpodcast.com and nerdinitiative.com. And definitely go make sure you're supporting your local comic shops wherever you can. That being said, that's all we got for this week. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. For the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.